mean, literally, it was, I, I had no word to define myself. I had long hair, your typical Korean looking girl. And now it's like, I literally had that moment when I chopped off my hair that um, Gabe, as a, as a gift to me, we went to a barbershop in West Hollywood, which is our LGBT community's um, haven here in Los Angeles. And when we were there, I went to a barber, he chopped off my, chopped off my hair, right? And literally I had this moment of looking in the mirror and going, wow, there you are. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy! Welcome to episode 193. We're Finn and Emma, and today we have a beautiful interview with Sonia and Gabriel. They've been together 19 years, poly for nine of them, almost 10, I think, and they're both queer. And we love how they work together and are but yet are very independent. It's a beautiful story of honesty and how demonstrates how everything is a journey. Yeah, I think one of the things that we love about this is they're super transparent about how they did it 10 years ago versus right. how they do it today. And that everything is sort of a spectrum, right? And they even talk a lot about uh, Sonia and, and her being sort of kinky, but also like she doesn't really identify as kinky, but Gabe, Gabriel thinks she's kinky. So <laughs> like... They work together, again, like Emma said, but they're also wildly independent. And, and we kind of see the full progression in this conversation. Yeah, it's it's really great. So thank you both for coming on the show and sharing your story. Uh, additionally, Gabriel is the producer, director, and editor yes. of a new, hopefully new, upcoming uh, adult animated series about kink and how to do it safely. He's partnering with Emily, uh, Emily Blake, who will be on the show in a couple of weeks on episode 197 and um, to create this awesome series. We've seen the trailer. The trailer is actually out now. The Kickstarter launched yesterday. If you're listening to this on August 11th, the Kickstarter started. The Kickstarter started. <laughs> yes, it's like a tongue twister. It is. Yesterday on August 10th. And we're, we're really excited about it. We're not being paid in any way to promote this. We saw the trailer. We saw what they're doing. It's fantastic. We love it. And we wanted to promote the hell out of it. Yes. And I'm going to interrupt you because you actually never said the name of it. Well, it is I, called... know. I was giving you an opportunity to, <laughs> to interrupt me. It is called Welcome to Kinkyville. So go check out the links in the show notes. Go watch the trailer, support the Kickstarter. Uh, they'll talk about it in the interview too. But the best way to support their work too is just to share the information. Yeah, share it, support it, do everything you can to spread the word. A couple of other quick little notes about this episode. Um, first, uh, who again, who Emily is, because Emily comes up in this episode a few times. She's one of Gabe's uh, partners, and uh, she's also, again, the creator of this show series. Welcome to Kinkyville. Welcome to Kinkyville, yes. Not the creator of our podcast. <laughs> the creator of Welcome to Kinkyville. And again, we're going to have her on in a couple of weeks. And you might hear the name Jave or Jave DeBay. Uh, she is the co-host with uh, Emily. with Emily and will also be on the show in a couple of weeks. So we're really excited about that. Again, we're really excited about Stay this Stay tuned whole for those episodes coming out in a few weeks. 
One other fun, exciting thing they talk about a Jubilee video. Yes. That they were both, that, that Sonia and Gabriel were in. Uh, we have the links to that video. They're in the show notes. It's fantastic. But we were surprised when we saw another one of our former guests is in the video with them. I know. How awesome is that? Yeah. So Dr. Justin Clardy was on episode 133, which was the State of the Union of Black Polyamory and the Pandemic and yep. Uprising, I that believe. That would have been published in summer of 2020. Yeah. So uh, it was awesome to see him in there. We're super excited about that. So go check out that video and then go back and check out episode 133 yes. to learn more about Justin. Of course. All right. I think that's all on that little bit. Again, check it out. Links are in the show notes at normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Click on the podcast tab or in your podcast player. We're excited about this. Yeah, we're so excited about their work and can't wait to see what happens. So go support and spread the word. On Welcome to Kinky. On Welcome to Kinkyville, right? (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Jumping in there with a name. Well, I didn't want to interrupt you like you interrupted me. I don't know if I've ever interrupted you on one of these interviews. Yeah, you interrupt me all the time. (laughs) All the time. Anyway, a couple of quick announcements. I know we know this has been a long intro, so we'll keep these announcements quick. But our (laughs) – don't laugh at me. I'm laughing with you. We're laughing together. Um, we wanted to announce our Patreon dates for August. Um, the men's group call is August 17th. The women's group call is August 18th. And the Q&A is August 25th. We will talk about Patreon more in the outro, um, but we just want to throw those dates out there for August. Also, we are going to be bringing back our virtual meet and greet in September. So stay tuned. That date will be announced very soon, um, but that will be coming back next month. Also, we're going to be we're going to be bringing not back. Well, I guess kind kind of back. Yeah, we kind of back too. We're going to be bringing back in person meet and greets. We have some we have some planning that we're doing. We're really excited, yeah. so stay tuned for that as well. We're super duper excited, and we're we're just so anybody listening being like, <gasps> right? I, you, <gasps> nailed it. <laughs> so things that we're thinking about for this uh, outdoors or mostly outdoors. And vaccination required. So, like, we're we're working on how to sort all that out and finding the right places and figuring out how to do that. So, get excited, and we're excited. If you're not vaccinated, this is your reason now to get vaccinated. (laughs) So you can come to the normalizing non-monogamy meet and greets. Yes. So, if if all of the other incentives weren't enough, let this be the one. And we know we haven't said locations or dates yet, but those will be coming very, very soon. So stay tuned. Probably next week. Hopefully. And with that, we will just remind you to head over to our website again. Check out uh, all of the resources there. They support the show. And send us an email. Send us a voicemail. Let us know what you think of the show. Let us know what you think of us. And let us know if you want to come on the show. We'd love to have you share your story just like Sonia and Gabriel. Yes. I think that's it. Now let's go. Let's go. Let's go talk to Sonia and Gabriel. Let's go. Let's go. (laughs) All right. Welcome to the show, Gabriel and Sonia. Thank you for being here. We've been chatting for a minute. I think this is going to be super fun. Yes. I'm super excited. Uh, Brace yourselves for swearing, listeners. It could could happen. (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) But yeah, thank you for being here. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. So excited to be here. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Uh, we we know very little about you. So do you mind? Actually, you only reached out to us like three or four days ago. And so we had a quick turnaround. We had a quick turnaround yes. <laughs> for, for important reasons that we will talk about later. But do you mind introducing? Which is very, which is very on par with me. I, I escalate yeah. things pretty quickly. But I have been really accused does. of that. 
Yeah, well, guilty on this end too. Yep. So uh, do you mind introducing yourselves for us and for everybody listening? Sure. Ladies first. Well, uh, my name is Sonia and I am an attorney in Los Angeles and I I'm Korean American and uh, born in New York City and I come from an extremely uh, religious traditional background and I'm also polyamorous. Uh, I am gender queer, bisexual and yeah, I mean, that's pretty much me. So. Uh, I'm Gabriel. I am Sonia's husband. He pronouns. Uh, born and raised in Puerto Rico. Uh, I'm a professional trailer editor. Been married to Sonia for 18, 19 years. 19 years. Well, we've been together <laughs> no, for, eight. We've we've been been together together for eight, <laughs> 18, 19 years. Uh, married for like 15, 14, 14, 14 15, <laughs> something like that. Been polyamorous for about almost ten. nine or 10. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Queer uh, and polyamorous and kinky. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm vanilla. So, <laughs> <laughs> so all right. So now we have to talk about the word vanilla because we recently had somebody. Yes. <laughs> we recently had somebody come to us and say they hate the word vanilla because they feel like it's derogatory because they don't feel that they're boring, but they feel that vanilla is boring. So you just used it to describe yourself. So I. I would like you to maybe talk about that for a moment. Like, what, what are, are your feelings, feelings? Yeah. Yeah, on the word vanilla? <laughs> um, I think it's it's okay, honestly. I mean, it's okay. Labels are what you make them, right? Like me saying that I'm bisexual, uh, I believe that sexuality is on a spectrum. So what I think is bisexual might not be what somebody else thinks is bisexual. If we get into my bisexuality, I gear towards men more than women. And so then, but I still consider myself bisexual. So... With that said, um, being vanilla to me means that I'm not into the things that he's into, you know? And so then it's like, I don't have to get, you know, my foot in a bear trap and punched in the throat, you know, while blindfolded. She loves that meme. She loves that meme. In order to to get off, you know? And so then um, to me, it's like, I mean, do I do some rough play and stuff like that? Sure. You know, but it's like, to me, it just basically is a shorthand way of explaining that I don't need to be in a dungeon to get off, you know, and um, not to say that he needs that, but just, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but shout out to any friends who might be listening. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying you need it. I'm just saying that for me, it's just, it's not my cup of tea, you know? And so then to make it's, it's shorthand to me, it is what you make of it, yep. you know? So, yeah, I love that. And I think, you know, to your point about, bisexuality means something different to different people. And I think just to maybe drive this point home, uh, a good friend of ours, Bradford, uh, who's on the by the by podcast. Um, I don't know if you've ever listened to it, but I've heard of his, it. his yeah. definition of bisexual for him is he's into people of his gender and not his gender. And so those are the two. So he basically, it, it opens it up wide for him. And so, yeah, I think I love that, that you make yes. of it what you will. Um, that's actually why I generally just use the word queer. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what I was. That was my next question is, do you either or do both of you mind talking about what queer means to you? And and Sonia, you specifically said gender queer. Like, what do these labels mean to both of you? And then maybe- the labels are a start for the conversation. Right. Right. 
Sure. Go ahead. You go first. The word queer for me is a political and a personal statement. Uh, and then what I like about it is that it's semi-ambiguous, that it doesn't necessarily box me into, you know, oh, I'm not, this is what I like. Uh, I know what I like and I know, I know what I don't like. And I just find it easier to just say the word queer than having to actually give a breakdown. Well, you know, under these situations, I actually may play with this person of this gender, but under these other situations, I wouldn't, and so on. And and some of that, of course, is tied up to kink. But yeah, so that's how I like to apply the word queer. So I specify uh, gender queer as opposed to bisexual because it's the way that I present myself, my gender. Um, I grow, like I said, uh, I come from a very, very traditional conservative religious background. So I was the tomboy. I was the one that didn't fit the mold. I was the one that, you know, my mother one time was like, would it kill you to wear a skirt? And I was like, yes, cause I'll trip over it and die. Um, so <laughs> I mean, literally it was, I, I had no word to define myself. I had long hair, your typical Korean looking girl. And now it's like, I literally had that moment when I chopped off my hair that, um, Gabe as a, as a gift to me, we went to a barbershop in West Hollywood, which is our LGBT communities, um, Haven here in Los Angeles. And when we were there, um, I went to a barber, he, he chopped off my, chopped off my hair. Right. And literally I had this moment of looking in the mirror and going, wow, there you are. You know? And it just, I tripped out and I was like, okay, what does that mean? Um, it means that I don't identify necessarily, I'm not transgendered, but I am definitely presenting in a more masculine way. And it's an embracement of the fact that I am, I don't present as, as feminine as I've been told that I need to. And so that became a huge thing for me. And I differentiated from my bisexuality because with bisexual initially, I felt like, well, does that mean I have the 50, 50 like men and women, you know, and I had a hard time with that. And so then by differentiating how I identify myself versus what I like, I was able to say, no, I'm gender queer. I, I actually like it when I get misgendered as male. She does. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> I'm like, you know, like one guy once apologized to me. I was like, trust me, I'm going to be here in a suit and a tie if I was going to get offended that, you know, you said, hey, sir, when you didn't even look at my face, you just looked at the way that I was wearing as you bumped into me. You know, I mean, it's just it doesn't bother me. And I, I actually like it. So um, it's it's kind of that. Which is kind of kinky when you think about it. OK, but it's, <laughs> it's kind of that that thing of like it's embracing my identity. So that's why I say genderqueer, because it's an it's an embracement of my identity, uh, which is separate from my sexuality. Right. right. And feeling good in your shoes, in your own, centered in your own self, in whatever my own, that looks like. Right. And that was also the first time that I felt comfortable in my own skin. I, I grew up feeling like I, what I saw in the mirror did not match how I felt. Not like a dysphoria. I don't want to take away from people who actually experience dysphoria. It, it wasn't that so much as having identity crisis after identity crisis all throughout my teens didn't get better in college. You know, it's, I just, I could not find who I was. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. And how has that, I mean, first, thank you for both of you to, for those, like, I don't know, beautiful mm -hmm. explanations oh, of that. Like that, that was amazing. 
how, how has that, I mean, Gabe, you said right at the beginning that you are he, him pronouns, Sonia. How has that impacted your labeling? Again, we talked earlier about labels and, and all of that. Has that changed for you over time? Well, you still use she, she pronouns. Yeah, yeah, I still use she, her. Um, I don't use they, uh, but for me, it's, um, it's hyper-focused. And me being able to define myself, I mean, it's, um, I wrote a tiny, tiny essay on my FetLife profile. I have a FetLife profile, even though I'm not kinky, right? Mm -hmm. But, Mm but um, (laughs) on my, (laughs) hey, loving guys wearing uniforms does not mean that that makes me kinky, although apparently that's a kink on FetLife. It is a kink. But, um, (laughs) you know, so, so, um, so I, I wrote actually a, a semi-essay, a small essay about how uh, labels can matter and how, yes, some people cannot stand labels. They're, you know, relationship anarchists. They are uh, pansexual there and all this other stuff. But I'm like, labels, again, are shorthand for how we can at least start the conversation, you know. And so for me, it's I, I actually decided I am not a they, I'm a she, her even though I can be misgendered. Actually, that's what, to me, makes the misgendering more fun. You know, it's like, no, I'm a woman, really. <laughs> you know, but, but thank you <laughs> for acknowledging that I dressed up well enough <laughs> that, <laughs> that you can see it. Um, but uh, it's, to me, it's just a hyper-focus of how, um, how we can present ourselves to the world in a way that they can understand. And I, I do feel that there is some degree of necessity to allow other people to get comfortable with us. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. It does. I, I actually think that visibility is his form. It's his own form of activism, which is one of the reasons why I try to be sometimes as visible in my life as I am regarding my polyamory and my kink to some extent, you know, within the appropriate boundaries. But yeah, because I, I actually very much believe in the value of visibility. Okay, actually, uh, um, to to get on top of that, um, the, we did a Jubilee video regarding polyamory, a spectrum video. And nice plug, nice plug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's links, fun, go watch links. it. I was like, links, links yeah. will be in the show yeah, notes. Yeah, links <laughs> <laughs> so um we did we did do a jubilee video and at first i was really hesitant i mean i'm in a semi-conservative area of law you know uh, not area of law but law law in and of itself is semi-conservative it's male uh, cis male white older male dom- dominated so i was very nervous about coming out to the everybody as hey look by the way i'm not your you know cishet female you know who um who wears a suit to, to court and, but, you know, I don't wear skirts like a lot of my colleagues do and, and that kind of thing. Um, I love that I live in a time where that's not required. And so, um, but, uh, the point of getting to the Jubilee video is the fact that I agreed to it. Once Gabe pointed out, he was like, Hey, I won't do it unless you're on it first of all, but I really want to do it. Secondly, I realized representation matters. He's right. Um, how many Asian polyamorous people do you know? You know, how many Asian female polyamorous, how many Korean American polyamorous people do you know who are also gender queer and bisexual? You know, and so um, when I realized that it just clicked for me. And then when we got there, and this is something you would see in the video, is that there is an African-American man, there is me, and then there is maybe like three or four Hispanic 
um, people. And then there the was rest variety. Of, yeah. And then there was white. I mean, but he showed up for, and I'm not saying that he would show up to represent, but to me, it felt like he showed up to represent um, his community. And I showed up to say, Hey, look, just like we want to see more of our own faces on television, in, uh, in the media, on, in film, right? How are we going to show that unless we share, look, this is me too. This can be you. Maybe I connect with somebody who's like, oh, that makes so much more sense. I'm not crazy, you know? And, um, and if me showing my face helps somebody do that, then why wouldn't I? You know, so as a form of activism, and once I got that in my head, I was like, oh, yeah, when is the shoot? Like, you know, how should I dress up? What should we do? You know, I mean, it just it became this whole like project at that point for me mm-hmm. because it, it I connected in a way that it mattered, you know, and, yeah. and rewriting that societal narrative. Right. And that do, doing your part in that. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, coming out as bisexual in and of itself is still hard for me. You know, it's mm-hmm. as long as my family doesn't, you know, hear this podcast or see that video or anything, it's like they can pretend that I'm just your quirky. They don't see it because we hide it from them. They don't, they, they don't see it because they choose not to. Right. Exactly. Like I've posted this on my Facebook. My mother is a Facebook friend of mine. She comments on like pictures where it's me and Gabe, you know, but then, so I know she's seen that link, you know, <laughs> there's no way. Cause I'm on that, you know, front picture, you know, it's like, I am obviously in a video, but I think she read it, did not understand it. And was like, no, I don't need to know this. So, um, shout out to mom. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the things that we've always thought would be fun to do when people are like, yeah, I would never tell my parents. And then we turn on their video and are like, your parents are here in this interview. <laughs> we, that was, that's one of my dreams someday. To do this so, I know. And I keep trying to talk them out of it because I feel like it's really Well, I'm mean. not going to do it. I'm no, just I, saying it would be funny to do. I just came out to my parents over the last year. It, in fact, it's funny. And, and we'll get into this later, but I'm, I'm actually in the process of about to go into a crowdfund. And one of the things we learned in our research was that one of the ways to engage your followers is to do stunts, crazy stunts and whatnot. Uh, and, and you hear some of the stories like, oh, this person said he'll eat this hot sauce if they reach this benchmark or whatever. And I was really angry at myself like, ah, oh, damn it, I just came out to my parents. I should have saved that for the crowdfund. Like, <laughs> hey, if we reach this benchmark, I'll FaceTime my mom and come out and record it and post it. And I was really angry at myself for for having having the brave the bravery to do that, you know, prematurely and not saving that for the entertainment. Okay, but to be fair, his mother is way more understanding. I would never film that because then there would be a lot of ugly crying, a lot of screaming, and a lot of hanging up. A lot of praying, a lot of praying, a lot of, a lot of praying. Um, and so it just, to me is not, you know, worth the, you know, it's like, you guys don't want to see this. Trust me. You don't want to see like phones get thrown against walls. You know I mean? It's just TV right there. (laughs) 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 Well, I think, uh, we will definitely want to come back and talk to you, Gabe, about how that went. I'm going to interrupt you real quick. I just want to, say that I wasn't trying to imply that you would actually do that. I just want to, I was, I wasn't offended. (laughs) I wasn't offended. I think it would also be hilarious. We've talked about it, but yeah, definitely not, not the nicest thing to do. Um, but yes, continue on talking. So before we go much further, I think it maybe would help people. You've both said you're polyamorous. Uh, Gabriel, you're 
kinkier. I'm going to go kinkier than Sonia. Um, Do you mind sharing with us and the listeners, like what is your dynamic sort of look like? What does the structure look like today? And then I would love to go back back and find out how you got here. Okay. So we live together. We're nesting partners. I guess, and, and I understand that hierarchy is not very popular with a, a lot of people in the polyamory community. I, I tend to practice a little more hierarchical type of poly uh, in that I don't ever see us sharing a home with any I mean, people say th- things like that and walk it back, but like I really love my nesting partner and I don't really ever see us like, oh, and then here's our co- Cohabitant, cohabitant, or or <laughs> or like a tri- we we would never have a triad. Oh, we we don't share partners. That's, yeah, we don't. Share that partners. is literally one of the first things we agreed upon right away. We had no interest in sharing partners, so we date separately. And I date. I happen to date more because I'm I'm kind of a slut. Uh, and and yeah, and oh, he owns that. By the way, yeah. he he calls himself a whore, and I'm like, no, because you don't bring in any money. You get to call yourself a whore when you start bringing home money, and then we can discuss. <laughs> yeah, I had to own it because everybody just kept telling me you're so slutty. But but uh, but anyway, but I have so I happen to date more than she does. But so we date separately. We live together. We 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 wake up. We go to we go to work and whatnot. Usually on the weekends, uh, we'll spend a day apart with one of our partners, maybe once or twice a month. Over, we'll have like weekend sleepovers a- away from each other, but we still make a point to spend time together and, and, and go on date nights regularly and whatnot. So that's the dynamic. Uh, we don't host when the other one is home. We, I've met her partners. She's met my partners, but again, we, that are, it's, it's actually contrary to, Cause sometimes you see these memes that have about how people or stories about how people, their metamorphs just get along great and whatnot. <laughs> Our partners just really don't have anything. Like, it's funny. We actually really just started dating completely type of different people. Uh, We're not attracted to the same kind of people, which is another reason why we don't share yeah. because it's what I would bring home and what he would, you know, who I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Who he would bring home <laughs> and who I would bring home would be completely different. And yeah. Yeah. So, so like, like, uh, like I've met her boyfriend. He's a nice guy. We just don't have anything in common. And, <laughs> and, but like twice a year, we, we make this effort. We're, we're starting to actually question it and give up on it. We, we had, we call them the poly, the poly summit where we would just <laughs> get, get, gather for like a meal, our, our, us and our partners, you know, just so we're not strangers to each other, you know, like, Hey, how you doing? Whatever. And his you, idea and he hates it the most. Yeah. It was my, idea, again, because like, this is somebody who's clearly very important to you. This is somebody who's very clearly very important to me. Let's have a chance to just know them and put a, you know, and just talk to them for a minute and whatnot. <laughs> and they just gradually became more painful. The more we did them. And the last one, we're like, I, we're like, you know, I think we can call it like, maybe this isn't required anymore. Like, it's just, we really don't have anything in common. It's just awkward. Like, I forget what you said, but, but it was just like, why are we trying so hard to like be, it, it's like, we both, we all would have had more fun that spending that afternoon doing our own thing than getting together and forcing ourselves to play through this board game or, you know, or what. And the worst part is I'm known as somebody who, who, who kind of wears my heart on my sleeves. And, and the funniest thing is how she 
and and Emily would both check in on me. Hey, you okay? Because I'm the f- I w- like I walk out of movies a lot. Like if I'm bored, I'll leave. Like I like yeah, I don't have time for it. <laughs> and each summit just got gradually shorter. <laughs> and I think it's because <laughs> hey, I don't keep a secret. Like oh, okay, here we go. Let's do this. It's the right thing to do. But oh my god. <laughs> And like 30 minutes into it, he's ready to leave. And I'm not like, that, not that bad, but it's like, oh no, but it's the, the one that cracked me up the most was when Emily and Sonia looked at me in one of them. So, so, so are you good? It's like, yeah, let's just, let's just go. Let's just go. This is good. This is, which is both very endearing that both of your partners are just kind of like so in tune to you. But it's also a little embarrassing because, okay, have we used up all your time, child? Are you about to throw a tantrum? Should, should we wrap it up now? Like, like yeah, I'm simply the only one who has the guts to say what we're all thinking. We would have rather be doing other things right now. Like, why am I, why am I like the, the asshole here for, for being, for having the guts to say like, you all want to just go do our own things, whatever. Awesome. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. and, and, and I think it became more apparent because on the last one, which is, was just literally last month, uh, or this, or this month, just a couple of weeks ago, we happened to invite, uh, I had this new partner who, who I've been now for, for over a year. So we expanded it. <laughs> uh, and then she and her husband came. And then it became really apparent, oh, it's not that it was just too few people. It's just that we really don't care for each other. It's not that we don't okay. don't care for each other's a little much. It's not that we don't care for each we other. We have nothing in common. It's like we have nothing in common. You, you, you're forcing yourself to have a conversation. I mean, I've had more interaction in a networking group getting together than uh, than this, you know, and it's and and we felt bad for our partners because we are kind of the the hub of everybody getting together and to have a situation where, um, everybody's trying to force themselves to find, I'm, I, okay. Force themselves is a little much, but like striving yeah. to, like, to find a way to have connect. the, have the conversation is about us being polyamorous. Like I already know we're polyamorous. <laughs> like, like, you know, it's a bubble. Like we really don't have anything in common. We just don't, <laughs> we just don't. Well, and so first of all, I want to just say, um, this has been a delightful. <laughs> Emma, Emma and I tend to be quiet laughers. Uh, yeah. So we have been laughing our asses off over here, and people can't hear or see that. So I wanted to make it known that we're they not can just. See it. I know, but I wanted to make the listeners know that, that we're not weirdos who aren't laughing at this. The, the second piece is. At, at, we're not laughing at them. We're no, a little bit. A little bit. With them. A little bit of them. both. They're laughing too. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the thing that I, I think is just really interesting about this is. That Sonia, your you have, I guess, two partners, and we didn't get the full scoop, but you have at least two partners who are so different from one another that they're not really comfortable sitting through a, an hour long <laughs> lunch, but yet you are in love with both of them or in relationships with both of them and can connect so deeply with both of them for. That, that it's just really amazing to me. And I think it's, it just shows. Kind of bl- blows your mind a little bit. Well, and it just shows that like you can love and connect with very different people. Yep. And that doesn't mean because you like this person that all of a sudden Gabriel is no longer relevant, that you can, you can be into both. And I just, that's fascinating to uh-huh. me. It's a, uh, beautiful. 
Thank yeah. you. Um, so to answer your point, um, Stephen, my boyfriend, uh, fulfills a part of me that's completely different from what Gabe fulfills for me. And I've just started seeing a woman um, who obviously does not have a penis and has a vagina. And that's kind of the whole way that we started this, which we'll get to later. Which is totally okay because some women some women do have penises and that's totally fine. Not, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Okay. <laughs> but for me, the search was that uh, initially, and, and this is getting ahead of ourselves, but initially I wanted a girlfriend and that's kind of how this whole journey started. And, um, instead I ended up with a boyfriend who I've now been with for four years and I just started dating a woman and she and I finally got around to a it. month. It's not that I got around to it. It's women are so hard to date. Okay. <laughs> for me you don't too. even know. Thank you. Thank you. Right. Uh, you don't even know, you know, it's anyway, um, Boy, we're all over the place here. Yeah, we are. <laughs> and maybe maybe that's a good segue to jump back and tell us how how you both kind of got into polyamory in the first place. Long story short, uh, we got married pretty young. We got married at twenty five. Uh, we met around. He was twenty five. I was twenty seven. Okay, uh, not a contest. Uh, and, <laughs> but she won. Yeah, apparently, <laughs> I got pretty lucky though. Uh, I I think I, I got pretty lucky. Uh, no, but we met young, we married and settled down young, and then Sonia having had a more uh, conservative life, then she found herself questioning her sexuality, and after some research, uh, she realized that she, very likely she was bisexual, and just me being a pragmatist, and, and just this person that I just like to try to experience life in its fullness and, and live my best life. I'm like, okay, well, maybe you should explore that. And she was like, you're crazy. Like, we're married. We can't do this. Like, I mean, who says who? We can't be the only people who are going through this. So I Google it, which is literally every time somebody's like, oh, I, I'm wondering this. Yeah, Google it, you know. And I Google, like, bisexual, married. Like, other people must have gone through this, right? And then I discovered non-monogamy and swinging. And I was like, oh, I was going to swing, whatever. And then I discovered polyamory and started reading about polyamory. I was like, hey, there's this lifestyle. Although for some people, it's a relationship orientation. Uh, there's this, there, there's this, this polyamory. Uh, and a lot of people have open marriages and non-monogamy and consensual and ethical, ethical, uh, and so on. And maybe we should look into this. So we got some books and we read about it and then she, and then we, she created her profile and that embarked us on the journey. And, and of course, through those, through those research, because non-monogamy and kink overlap a lot because a lot of those books talk about people who are kinky, uh, like, Oh, like my husband discovers that he likes cross-dressing, but I love my husband and he's a great father. And I don't see why I need, if it doesn't bother me, I don't see why I need to ruin, like dissolve my marriage over this. So we open our marriage and he does cross-dressing with his partner, with this other person or whatnot. And, and we just heard a lot of great stories. So for us, uh, it was this thing that, um, cause some people come to, are just born into it, I guess, but some people become non-monogamous out of necessity. And I guess for us, it was a little bit out of necessity. And then that led to me discovering kink and exploring that and realizing, oh, like there's a lot of stuff in here that I'm I'm game for. And Sonia realizing, yeah, that's great. It's a great thing that we're becoming non-monogamous because I'm not, <laughs> you know. Uh, and yeah, and here we are, ten years later. 
Yeah. So what I would add to that is uh, the actually the way I came to my bisexuality is, is a little less overviewy. Um, because when, um, you know how, when a, a traditional wife sees her husband checking out a girl, you know, she'll be like, you know, stop that. Or like, you know, don't do that. Or, you know what, I'm not good enough for you or whatever. They don't check them out together, (laughs) you know, or when a woman with a nice, rack for lack of a better way to put oh, yeah, it you're saucy walks by <laughs> and you're doing you're you're basically you know elbowing your husband going oh my god check that out oh my god check that out and and so then and then it's and i didn't realize like i didn't make the connection at all because it was so outside my experience um i spent nine years growing up in korea from nine to high school and so in korea at the time although a lot has developed the idea of homosexuality was this sin, was this embarrassment, was like those perverts in that bathhouse that prey on children. You know, I mean, the idea of lesbians, the idea of women loving other genders, just it, it wasn't in my vocabulary. I could not have explained she it. She still, you. her mind still explodes every time she meets a Korean lesbian. Like she will just like, I, it's I just, like she found a unicorn. Because they are, you know, and then I find out there's like these underground parties in Korea. And I'm like, where was this when I was growing up? Okay, you were a teenager. Okay, but that's beside the point. Um, so, <laughs> so, um, so anyway, so we're both checking girls out. And then he's like, you know, maybe do you think maybe you like girls? And I'm like, Oh, stop it. There's no way, you know, like there, there's just that, that doesn't make sense. I don't even know what you're like. By, by the way, I wasn't like, Hey, maybe you like, it wasn't like that. Okay. <laughs> just, just to put it out there. <laughs> no, it wasn't at all. It was kind of like this, almost like this researchy type of, you know, like, um, way that he came across like, Hey, do you think maybe? And I just looked at him and I was like, you're crazy. You know, it took me two years. It took me two years of him going, you know, you just check that girl out. Right. And I'm like, no, I didn't, you know, she's pretty, whatever. Like I can aesthetically appreciate, you know, um, a well-made person, you know? And so, um, and because I also, um, continued to enjoy like just male interactions to me at the time, you were either a lesbian or you were heterosexual. Like I did not understand that there was a spectrum. Um, and so, because of that, it, it became very evident. And then we found a lot of, he found books for me. Like, for example, there's this one book called, um, bisexual after 40 or something like that. I I actually don't know if that's the title anymore, but, um, so, and then there were books about women who discover later in life. Um, and then there's a book, which is very common, which apparently, so, you know, people wrote books about it and, you know, sexual fluidity, (laughs) You know, there's like uh, books about sexual fluidity. There's books about, I mean, it's just the the idea that it is not binary. The idea that there is this whole spectrum is what allowed me to start uh, believing, yes, maybe it's okay that I'm not in this box. And once I realized that, this idea of polyamory, because I was like, okay, what if, what if I'm a lesbian? Then we're done because you are not a woman. <laughs> You know, and then it was, and then I was really sad about that. And, um, and then Gabe pointed out, he was like, well, maybe there's a way to make this work. We cannot be the first couple on the planet where the woman discovers that she's actually attracted to women. That's literally what I said. That's literally. (laughs) (laughs) 
he's always saying, if you've thought of it, somebody's already patented it, you know? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. There's no, like, as it's, as it says in the Bible, you know, there is no new idea under the sun. Okay. And, um, and I think that's true, you know, and that was written 6,000 years ago. And, and it's, it's kind of like, okay, maybe not that far, but, um, it's kind of like that idea of, um, if we've thought of it, somebody else has thought of it. And then somebody who is much more in tune with their writing skills has written about it. Researched it for you. Researched it for me, you know, and sure enough, there were books, there were podcasts, there were articles and, and it's just, and it's exploded since then in the last 10 years, mm-hmm. I mean, there weren't as many resources, nearly not as many resources as there are now. You know? Yeah. And was that, it was still a journey for you even with the resources you were able to find to unpack that, come to terms with it, like you said, it took two years to really, I don't know, believe it or right. be able to accept it and right. and then to do something about it. Because I think there's a lot of people who they know it, but they'll never do anything about it because it is, it is scary. Right. Which is another reason why I thought it was important to become even more visible, but you're right about the journey. So it took me two years to acknowledge that I, that I am attracted to women. It took me another like three or so to find my gender queerness, to find my identity, you know, and then it took like so many more years for me to feel comfortable enough and safe enough to say, look, I am, I'm okay. You know, it's like, and I want to share this because the visibility is so important. You know, it's like, I'm not trying to proselytize. I'm not trying to make people believe what I believe. I'm just saying that this option is out there. And I wish I had known that as a teenager, if I had grown up uh, in the United States at a public school, I think my experience would have been extremely different. And um, cause the home I come from, I mean, I'm not knocking it. Okay. I mean, it kept me safe. I learned a lot of good values that I still carry today. And um, th- my parents did the best they could with the resources they had at the time. You know, um, but for example, I got my first tattoo when I was like 30 because my mother promised me that if she ever saw me with a tattoo, she would literally skin me. And I literally believed it because you are not to uh, defile the temple of God. Your body's the temple of God. And therefore, if you defile it with tattoos and stuff, then you're going to hell because it's witchcraft or something like that. It, it gets a little complicated in the Old Testament. And so I believed my mother that she would li- literally take a knife to my skin to rip off the tattoo. I'd been married, what was it, like eight, nine years? No, yeah, like five years. No, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I've been married about five years. I've been with him eight, nine years. I've been married about five years before I convinced myself my mother was not going to knock on my door, see my tattoo, and skin me in the middle of my home with my husband standing next to me. Who and- clearly isn't helping, apparently, yeah. in, your, in, in this fantasy. Your husband is not coming to your help. Which to we're, gonna, we're going to unpack that later. <laughs> So, <laughs> so it's like, nobody can protect me from my family was, was the idea, was the idea that I had. And, and by now I've gone to the military and come back by now I'd gone to law school and I was already a lawyer by now. I mean, and I still believed that my mother could walk into my home and skin me, <laughs> you know, and, and that's, that's how strong my beliefs were. And so, and because of that, it, I think that's what took me so long to, to come to, not come to terms, but like, you know, to celebrate, to, to enjoy that. No, this is me and I'm proud of me and I'm happy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Wow. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. And so you, you originally started exploring non-monogamy to explore your bisexuality, explore that piece of you. But it sounds like that wasn't how it went to begin with. Like you're, you met another male partner and that kind of throws a wrench in the plan, right? Like Gabriel, you're like, yeah, go meet another woman. And she's like, look what I found. And it's another guy. So like, (laughs) how does, how does this whole thing play out? Well, I, like I said, we did a lot of the research. We read a lot of the books and we avoided a lot of the common mistakes. And I knew, and, and to be fair, she didn't start dating guys into maybe two years into our polyamorous journey. And I already prepared myself because that's the other thing. The more, uh, you know, how we practice polyamory now is not how we practice at the beginning. It was way more shelter, way more scared uh, because we were new, understandably so. And the more you do it, the better you get at it, the more comfortable you get at it. And I was waiting for it. I was prepared because as a, as my own polyamorous journey took off and which and I started getting kinkier and embarking on all these adventures that that I'm sure some of them caught her by surprise. Uh, she was very supportive. So, of course, that makes you reflect like, oh, I have the most supporting partner and she, and she loves me and accepts this part of me that she that we don't share. Uh, and by then I was starting to also, we were starting to also see the, the glimpses like that I may be kind of slutty. And it just made sense to me. Like, it's probably only a matter of time. And when she finally sat me down, she was surprised by how underwhelmed I was. Like, okay, yeah. It's <laughs> just like, oh, uh, it's like, yeah, I was, I was expecting it. it. Like, it just, it, again, and it's one of those things you learn through research and, and the one penis policy. And, and by the way, and, and this was 10 years ago. And how I remember it now is probably not accurate because I want to think of myself as better. Of course, I want to say now that it wasn't like a one penis policy kind of thing. It's just that this was the reason <laughs> this was the reason why we, we embarked on it. But, but it probably, it probably was, uh, I probably was insecure. Uh, but, and that's, but I also made a very conscious effort in our journey. And this is the first thing I tell people, new people all the time. I was like, work on your insecurities. Uh, so I'm always working on my insecurities. And so when she finally came, she was, <laughs> She doesn't say this. The reason, well, she kind of hinted at it. She was just having lousy dating experiences with women uh, because she over just. I think she just overthinks it too. Overthinks it too much when interacting with women as opposed to guys. And she would sometimes have these situations. And I would be like, "How would you have reacted had that been a guy? Well, I would have just maybe just left or walk out or stop it there." Like, yeah, why didn't you? This, she's a girl. I didn't want to hurt her feelings. It's like, like it's it's just another person. Uh, <laughs> But no, ultimately, I was ready for it. I had prepared for it, and and yeah, so it it didn't catch me by it didn't really catch me by surprise. I think she was surprised by my reaction, but uh, again, it just brought us closer together because you know you're just trusting each other more, and then she's realizing how much I trust her, and and just how cool and hip I am and not threatened at all by this other guy. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> please, please cut him off. I, I, I have some commentary here. It was absolutely a one penis policy <laughs> in the beginning. It was absolutely, you can date women. Um, it was 
what was interesting though, was like for the first two years, only I was dating. I would tell him you can go date. And then, um, and then he'd be like, I don't have time for it. I'm working on my career. I don't, you know, it's like, I, he's like, I don't know how you have time to, to go on these dates with women. Ironically, ironically, right now that we are where we are. But, um, but at the time, and then when I realized that women were really, really hard to find and date, um, those are two separate issues. Um, I was like, you know what? I, I kind of, I don't see it as a relationship orientation either, polyamory, but it just makes more sense for who I am. And so dating another person and loving my husband still was a no brainer for me. But when I went to him with it initially way in the beginning, before I guess all this research he did, he didn't, he wasn't open to it. And then I was like, okay, great. Then that means that when you do start dating, uh, what's going to happen is you get to date men. Because if I can only date same sex, then all things being equal, you get to date same sex. And so then he was like, but I'm not attracted to men. And I'm like, well, sucks to be you, <laughs> you know? And so, so it turned into this thing where it became impractical. And, and then, so I was like, look, I'm not dating other men because I don't enjoy you. I don't enjoy having sex or whatever. It's just that I, I like the idea of being romantically involved with multiple people. I still get so embarrassed about that phase, you know, like real talk. And, and part of the reason I sometimes have a hard time misremembering is because and everybody makes mistakes in their poly journey. Everybody stumbles and whatnot. He thinks he does it best. Yeah, so. No, I would, I'm not going to go that far. <laughs> I'm not going to like go that far. I'm very proud of our polyamory and, and what we do. Uh, but when I do think back to some of those mistakes in the early years, like, I mean, I went up to it. Yeah, it, it was a one penis policy. Like, I'm embarrassed. And, and sometimes in my embarrassment, I, I choose to not remember some of those less... <laughs> Less uh, flattering, flattering, <laughs> you know, moments in our journey, uh, particularly because there's so many great ones. Like, of course, I only want to celebrate the, the good ones. Like, but no, it is it, it is, you know, there were warts, there were mistakes and whatnot. And but- well, he wouldn't say that I couldn't date men per se. He would say, you know, two penises do not make a vagina. Yeah. But she also she also agrees with that. Well, obviously. <laughs> Which I don't know. I feel like if you were to position them correctly, <laughs> it might it might be similar. I mean, not, it's not going to be exactly. Um, okay, okay. I will say that I had my first MMF uh, experience. Oh, my first threesome. Well, she's vanilla. <laughs> my first threesome different like yeah it's a spectrum that's what what i'm gonna get to yeah it's a spectrum so but um i I had my first one ever and um and it was mind-blowing you know i mean it was okay no are you laughing (laughs) (laughs) it was it was mind-blowing in the sense that to experience that much um attention attention connection you know even though the third person didn't really know him from Adam, but, um, but it was kind of like this connection of being involved with multiple people who were there for you, you know, as, as the woman in the group, it it became very evident that, you know, I was the focus and, and I enjoyed it immensely in that sense. Um, but to go to your point of like, you know, two penises do not make a vagina it's, or they can, right. It's this thing of like having that, I don't know, almost like sexual connection was to me, like what I find when I'm with a woman, 
is, is that sexual can I, like, I, I can't describe it. I don't know. Maybe because it was my first time and the only time so far that I'm just like, Oh my God, it's so amazing. Everybody should try it once in their lives. But, um, but it was definitely, definitely quite the experience. And, yeah. um, anyway, sorry. Vanilla. Yeah. No, oh yeah, that's, totally that's vanilla. A- <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's amazing that you uh, had that have had that experience and it was so wonderful. I also just want to comment on Gabe what you said about some of those things are embarrassing that happened and there I think that also just shows how human we all are because all of us have done embarrassing things and reacted in ways that we are not proud of and that is just part of living life. And it's important, I think, that we recognize the things that aren't so great and that we can do better in the future. But like the fact that they happen isn't, isn't something that, um, we should be ashamed of. And, uh, I'm telling that to everyone, including myself, because I also get embarrassed about things I've done in the past. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I will say that what it has brought is communication and things like those experiences, made me realize and people in the polyamory community, like on the Facebook groups and fat life and everything, they talk about it all the time. You have to communicate. No, really you do. You have to communicate. And for us, it actually improved our communication. Um, I come from a family where, you know, you don't agree about something. One person walks out the door, slams the door, comes back. And then everybody pretends like that did not just happen, you know? And it is, it is funny to look back and see right? just, just how, how, how hard it was to talk to each other. Yeah. Like. Initially, like <laughs> it, it, when we first started dating, you know, it was like, if it wasn't for, you know, just basic, you know, young person attraction, I don't yeah. even know because he's, you know, he was the more, um, PDA type. And I was like, don't touch me in public. You know, that's my grandma's here. Don't yeah. hold my head. Oh my God. Exactly. Don't kiss me in front of my mom. You know, it's like, even though it's on the cheek, you know, I mean, it's just like, Oh no, the hug was one second too long. You can't do that. You know, it's embarrassing. And, and this, or like, you know, Hey, we're having a disagreement. I'm going to, I need space. So I'm going to walk out and slam the door, you know? And, and it's just like, you can't do that. But if he slams the door, I, I freaked out. And, um, and so it was this thing of like, by becoming polyamorous, by asking these questions and feeling, uh, building confidence, that whatever we brought up wasn't going to get shot down or, or yelled down or treated like we're crazy. Um, at least for me, like definitely helped open up, um, our co- conversing skills and communication skills, our communication. Is skills. that a word conversing? Yeah. Conversing is a word. Huh. Okay. okay. Um, so <laughs> learning all sorts of things in this podcast, you had a threesome. <laughs> <laughs> he knows, he knows he kids. Um, so, so, but yeah, I mean the conversation skills and honestly, I will say that that has even spilled into my daily life at work at dealing with other people. It's like knowing to ask questions, knowing to say, not accept things at face value and say, well, let's, let's talk about that. You know, well, that's how I feel. Great. Why do you feel that way? You know, and just being ad nauseum, you know, and it, it definitely, definitely helps. And for people who think that, oh, polyamory is, is a way to just like go and like stick your dick in everything that walks. Okay. There is a form of non-monogamy where you can do there's that. There's nothing wrong with that. And there's as nothing as wrong doing, with that. As long as you're doing it, you know, <laughs> ethically safe and, and, ethically and safe. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. But to me, polyamory is so much more about the, the emotional and the connection. That's why I don't consider myself a slut, even though I have a long-term boyfriend and date women is the fact that, um, 
because for me, it's much more about the emotional Explain connection. Explain that to your mom right now, how you're not a slut. <laughs> <laughs> Is that why you don't have children? Um, but, oh my God, it would be so much more fun if we had a child and we were doing this oh. and told my mother. Let's, let's, let's make a reality show, right? Let's, <laughs> let's, let's like this thing. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean, it's communication is key in my opinion. And, um, and if you can't communicate at least for, you know what, on, I will say from a woman's standpoint, because we are more emotional, I think, I know that doesn't, that's a stereotype, but for me, I am more emotional. I do need the connection. I'm demisexual. Um, if we're going to get into like some serious labels, <laughs> I'm demisexual. I need that intellectual and emotional connection to feel, um, attracted. You could be the hottest guy on the planet and you could be fun to look at and maybe even roll in the hay. But if, if I don't have that emotional connection to you, then I'm going to lose interest about five minutes after I walk out. Mm. You know, it's like, I just, I don't care, you know, but on the flip side, you might look like, you know, your average Joe or Jane. But if I have that emotional intellectual connection to you, then you're the hottest thing on the planet. So, um, for me, it's just, that is so much more important. I don't, I can't speak for my slut of a husband, but, um, <laughs> the slut shaming, the slut sh continues, <laughs> continues. <laughs> I guess, uh, just on that topic real quick, uh, Gabe, I'd love to hear what you, how you feel, cause you use the word slut too. How, how do you, um, what does that word mean to you? Well, uh, it just, I guess, again, it's just taking it back. You know, you read the ethical slot and you just want to like, just carry it around your chest or whatnot. But yeah, it just, for me, it, for me, I use it personally to state that I am, I am unapologetic about enjoying sex and the number of people I enjoy sex with. So that really is what slot means to me. And okay. so we, we kind of have an idea of Sonia's dynamic with she has a, a long-term boyfriend and is dating women and has a slutty husband what does <laughs> what does it look like on on your side of the fence um okay so in addition to my wife uh I am currently in another committed relationship up until a couple of weeks ago I was in two committed relationships that uh that one of them unfortunately just literally recently ended. I'm still unpacking that. Uh, but, uh, so for the, for four years or close to four years, I had a relationship with Emily who I'm creating the crowdfund with. And then a year and a half or so ago, right before COVID, I met this other wonderful person, Liana, and that also became serious. It, uh, it's just, you know, connection. So those are my committed relationships. <laughs> In we're, going down, we're going down in tears, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it, I guess I guess that's where you see my hierarchical mindset. These are my committed relationships. These are people who who I very much make a point to see who or show up for. Show up for and regularly and whatnot. People now being only one other person. Uh but for the one for the one year and change that they overlapped, you know, uh basically this is people that I engage with regularly every day. Uh, and that I would definitely see, you know, usually at least once a week. Uh, and yeah, and people that I go out with on dates uh, and whatnot. 
And so those are my committed relationships. And that's what I consider my committed relationships. Those people that I see regularly uh, and that we just have a very deep emotional investment and that we are that, that we just go out and also do regular boyfriend-girlfriend stuff. In addition to that, there might be a handful of additional partners that I engage with in varying degrees of frequency. Some of them maybe every other month or once, once a month. Others maybe a couple times a year. And some of them maybe only one time ever. <laughs> that, <laughs> because as polysaturated as I am, I still very much enjoy new experiences with new people. And so I still occasionally go on new encounters with, and some of them do involve a date sometimes. Uh, but not always. <laughs> uh, so that's more of my dynamic. Yes. Perfect. Mm -hmm. And I think what is interesting to me, and I'm just going to call it like I see it, as proud of it as you are, I can tell there's still shame around it because you're very hesitant about naming it. it that's my perspective, and I'm not trying no, to put and, that on you. No, and... So that's totally cool. Uh, I guess for me, I'm always very conscious in how I package it yeah. because while I do love being visible and celebrating, I, I don't know necessarily celebrating, but, but being visible for the purposes of, of just visibility, I also, because I'm a slut and because I do happen to have plurality in terms of my sexual partners, I am also very conscious as a guy and as a Hispanic guy that I'm not trying to show off. Like, and, yeah. and I'm, a, I'm, very, I'm very arrogant and cocky. It's, it's a known <laughs> fact. I have an ego. Uh, but but like I also don't want to make sure that I'm never coming across as, check out how many people I'm fucking. You know, so so that's something that I feel very conscious of. Like, I'll I'll own up to it. I'm actually embarrassed <laughs> that most of my partners. <laughs> and by the way, Sonia can attest to it that they have not all been. <laughs> but at the moment, the majority of my partners are Asian, <laughs> and this is embarrassing. <laughs> it's embarrassing. It, there is just no way to disclose that, and. and and of course, the first joke somebody made when, when Emily and I unfortunately broke up. Oh, so you lost the, the one white girl in the, in the crowd. <laughs> but to be fair, it's not from his lack of trying it, it, to diversify. It, yeah. Okay. <laughs> brown women just don't want, brown women just don't know me, don't want to know me. That is <laughs> brown women for sure don't like me. <laughs> he had to leave Puerto Rico to find his wife. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah. I never got lucky in Puerto Rico, but that was also like a teen, a dumb teenage kid and whatnot. But even, even now, like, like and she's seen me go go on dates of, of women of every background, but for some reason <laughs> the ones that stick the ones that can stand him apparently are the ones that are Asian. <laughs> wow, that that's so then so then it, yeah. it's like, I think it's like I wasn't just trying no to way to just disclose that <laughs> and not and not and not be made and not like seem like borderline creepy, you know. <laughs> Fair enough. I, maybe it wasn't shame. Maybe it was trying to be humble. Um, <laughs> I'll give you. I'll give you that because I can. I can. For me, sometimes it's hard to find the line between 
trying to be humble and is it humble or am I ashamed of what I'm doing and I don't want to say and, out? And I'm I, still working and I'm still working through my, through some of my own sexual shame. Like mm-hmm. I'm not as open about my queerness. Uh, I mean, I, again, I'm more than happy to state it, to just, you know, make it known. But, uh, at the same time, my queerness, uh, I just don't engage. Again, I, I am primarily attracted to women. <laughs> most most of my partners are women, uh, so there's that also balance that that I make it known, but maybe I don't advertise it as much because it's not as big part of my sexual life, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but I, it's like I don't want to seem like I'm also trying to hide it. It's not it's not a contest, I know, but but I know I know that part. I don't necessarily flaunt it as much, but also because there isn't as much to flaunt about it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So it's also that, that that is the the dialogue that I'm always having with myself. But like it, it's funny because I have a Twitter account where I like to share stories about about my polyamorous life. And I think it was maybe a year before I even stated in my description that I was queer. You know, like I wasn't as forthcoming about some of the queer engagements that I was having on my posts. Because of course you get weird that some of your friends are gonna see it and whatnot, and then you was like, oh. God, dude, you're like in your late thirties. Like, man, the fuck up. Like, you went, you went to Iraq. Like, what if somebody, what if one of your friends feels weird that you know you hooked up with a dude or whatever? Like, fuck up. <laughs> it's like you have to have those moments. And 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 no joke. When I came out to my dad as being Polly, literally the first thing he asked if is if I fuck dudes. Which I was like, what, 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 how is that the first? Cause I'm guessing we haven't really talked more about it. Clearly. <laughs> uh, I have a very complicated relationship with my dad. Uh, I'm guessing in his head, the only reason I would be in an open marriage is so I could fuck something other than the gender that I'm with. That's what I'm guessing. Frankly, I don't really want to have the conversation with him. <laughs> it was important for me to tell him that he heard it from me because it's like I personally I felt like, you know what? I feel like if he heard it from somebody else, it made me look like a coward. You know, so like fuck it, let me just have him hear, hear it from my own lips. That he probably just imagines doing something unsavory on some other dude. But that's great because I actually like the idea of my dad losing sleep over this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just him waking up in the middle of the night, imagining just me just being like some super like Freddie Mercury gay sex party. <laughs> like I genuinely was ready. I was genuinely ready. Like, oh, he's probably gonna, he's probably gonna just be like really dumb by like, so how many chicks are you, how many chicks you got or why not? No. So, so you fuck dudes? Like, wait, what? <laughs> and even if I did, is that's okay? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I told him <laughs> and I did it over FaceTime and it was great to see his reaction when I told him, like, you really asking me this? Like, well, have you? Yeah. <laughs> next time I'll take, next time I'll take a picture for the next time he's just misbehaving or being an asshole. It's like, I'll just like send him a picture. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, okay, this uh, head right here, this head right here, that's mine. <laughs> right, right, yeah. You're asking me this question. <sighs> You're like, do you really want to know the answer? <laughs> exactly. Uh, oh, um, actually, and that leads to another question too. You said you came out to your parents uh, last year, and you just talked about your dad. So how, we know how it went. How did you? How did it go with your mom? <laughs> oh, you know, it was like oh, polyamory. What's that? <laughs> I was like, I gonna like okay. Me and Sonia practice consensual non-monogamy. So you you have sex with other people. Yeah, I mean I have relationships with other people too. Okay. And what about this what about STIs? <laughs> and I'm like, I mean, we're being safe. Which by the way, this is actually a very common response I, I've heard. To a lot of people, when they come out, like the first question is STIs, uh, which I have a lot of feelings on. And it's like, it's okay. I mean, I vet these people, mommy, and, and I use, I use various levels of protection with different people and I get tested regularly. And it's like, yeah, but how do you know? It's like, well, mommy, you technically, you don't actually like, it's really a crap. Sh- Honestly, mommy, it's a crap. Sh- like, <laughs> the only safe protection against STIs is to not have sex. So there really, there, there really is, you know, it's just, it's just a risk in the lifestyle. I'm trying to be safe about it, but <laughs> yeah. So, and then, and then she went like, well, I don't support it. What do you want me? What do you expect me to say? What do you expect me to say? Still, thank you for telling me, and I love you. Well, of course I love you, Mijo. Yeah, thank you for telling me. I don't support it, but yeah, of course I love you. You know, you probably got this from your father because he's a sexual deviant. It's like I know, mommy. I know your grandfather too. I know, mommy. I know. You know. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's oh, that's how it went. You forgot. Um, she also was like, "What are you doing to Sonia?" You know, like somehow, like it's his idea so that he could step out because it's just, she's thinking of it in terms of his father and his grandfather, I guess. But, um, we get asked that question a lot too. Like, you know, well, what about Sonia? Like, what are you doing to her? And he's always happy to point out, we started because of her, you know? And so then they're like, oh, it's like, how do you follow that up? You know, like, (laughs) that's why it was very important. That was, that's why it was very important for me that she'd be on that Jubilee video. Because again, I'm very conscious about being the guy and being the, the Latino guy. Uh, so if I had just shown up, put my my face up on the internet like that without her by my side, I I wouldn't have been as open to it because she's such a big part of my life. She's so important to me. And I and again, it's like I don't want and not that I lose sleep over it or what people think, but I also when I guess when it comes to our relationship, I do want people to at least have you know, context, context and whatnot. And, and yeah, and that's why I really wanted her there for that or, or here for that matter. Yeah, it's huge. And I think, you know, we've come out to people in the last year plus that we haven't, mm-hmm. this is like really our first time doing that. We've gotten many of the same things that you've gotten. Yeah. Um, many of the same responses. Yeah. And it is difficult and you have to say like, no, this isn't just me being a macho guy trying to hook up with women. And so Emma came along for the ride because she has to. And like, like, that's not how (laughs) this, not how this has ever been. Um, So yeah, we can really appreciate a lot of that. Yeah. And and thank you for sharing. And, and 
Sonia, on your side, you haven't told anybody, it sounds like, not at least not family. Well, or actually, um, I, yeah, just not my mom uh, or my, well, okay. I don't speak to my dad or my older brother. Um, my younger brother, so I have two brothers, my younger brother, he, I did, when I came out to him as bisexual first, he was like, that makes sense. Now my younger brother was going to go to seminary school. Okay. <laughs> so he is highly, him and his, he got married recently. Him and his wife are, are highly involved in their church but he's not as dogmatic as my parents are, were, whatever. Um, and so he was like, you do you, you know, that's fine. When we ca- came out as polyamorous, his only response was don't tell mom. <laughs> so, <laughs> so then, and then we started posting it on Facebook. So he'll like a lot of my stuff, but none of the polyamory stuff, but it's like, but it's not like he doesn't know. Um, my cousin who is like a sister to me, the sister I never had growing up, uh, we came out to her and that was much more complicated. Um, it was one of those, like, you know, is he doing this to you? You know, what about, you know, your life together? And it, it wasn't from a religious standpoint. It was more of like, a, I care about you. I love you. Are you okay? You know, and then the more she started to understand it, I don't know that she fully understands it, but she's, because um, she's, she's married. She has four kids. I mean, she's very, very traditional. And, um, but, okay, so ironically, she was the first person in my family to marry a non-Korean. She paved the way, okay, <laughs> for those of us that choose now to marry non-Koreans because uh, that was like the first mold that was broken. Um, and that was so scandalous at the time. Um, and then I came along. And then he <laughs> And so... At least they have a wholesome marriage. <laughs> and so with the requisite children you know and the requisite house and the requisite minivan and the it's just she's far more responsible and responsive to the family than i am and so um so yeah she she and i still talk and obviously and and we have a lot of fun still but it's but for her it was initially a shock so the people that once i came out to the people that mattered to me you know, it, it became a no brainer. Like everybody else, if you love me and you care about me, then I'm the same person I was yesterday before I told you, you know, or before you found out, if you don't love me, you don't care about me. You want to be judgmental. Then you know what? There's like, that would have been the case. You know, it could be because I'm a Democrat. It could be because I'm Asian. It could be because I'm a woman. I mean, there are so many reasons why you could dislike me. You won't refer me business or you won't interact with me. And that's fine. That's your prerogative. That does not reflect on who I am and me living my most authentic self. When I realized I was genderqueer, like there was no way to go back from that because I'm like, I earned figuring this out you know, and nobody's going to take that away from me. And so society telling me, well, that's not normal. Wear a skirt, God damn it. You know, I mean, it's just, you can't take that away from me. No, it took me so long to get here. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to give that up. And so same thing with polyamory, same thing with my bisexuality. It's like, um, Gabe was saying how he's still, you know, working on his gender queerness and coming out about that. It's, it's being a journey. It's, it's become a journey for him too. And little by little, I mean, even when he initially came out to me that, um, he might not be strictly into just women. He told me at that time, I don't know if he remembers this, that he was afraid to tell me, 
you know? And then, um, it wasn't until I came out as bisexual that he felt safe enough to tell me, Hey, look, I might not just be still years later. Yeah, it was still, yeah, no, it was still years later, but it was, um, but it's, he didn't feel safe to tell me until he did. And when he told me, I also had a very underwhelmed response of like, okay, cool. You know, it's like, so what does that mean exactly? What does that look like? You know, and I promise you what he told me then is not what it looks like now. <laughs> um, it's gotten a lot It's weirder. gotten a lot weirder. You know? <laughs> so, so, but each time he, he comes up with something, not comes up with something new, but like <laughs> reveals something new. I'm like, okay, all right. My brain has to adjust. And yes, we've had hiccups where I'm like, well, does that mean you're going to leave me? I mean, like, that's just, that's so far out. And he's like, I didn't leave you because you wanted women, you know? I mean, it's like, come on, dude. Like, let's, let's be real here. You know, it's like, do you, it became more a question of, can you accept this, you know, or do I need to remove this from our conversations, you know? And it became much more about like, you were talking about shame Finn, and how, um, it seems like he should, I don't think it's that so much as he's trying to be empathetic to the people around him and how much they can accept about him. And, um, how it's, I mean, trust me, like (laughs) he has the surgical precision of a bat. Okay. When it comes to a lot of things. Um, but when it comes to the people he cares about, you know, it's like, look, I'm not going to apologize for this, but I am aware that you might not have the capacity to hear me or accept it. So I'm going to dole this out to you slowly and then, um, methodically, methodically. <laughs> and so then that way, um, I'm not, you know, bludgeoning you with this information, you know? So each time his kink goes deeper, um, it does draw farther away from what I'm comfortable with, but that's okay. You know, because, um, what's important to me is to know that he's being safe, that he's okay, that he's, he's not hurting himself or anything like that. And as long as that's the case, unless he wants to, right. Mm. But, um, unless that's the case, I, I just, I, I celebrate with him, you know, go find out if that's something you want. And if it is, you know, revel in it, you know, because I just found out that he doesn't believe in an afterlife blew my mind. We've been together almost 20 years and I, I have this whole theory about what happens after we die and it is not a Christian white God um, and, and a devil with horns. But um, I do have a concept that there is like an after, you know, it's like energy can neither be destroyed or, or created. So we go back to being a different form. And so that's what I think. Him, we die, we there, die. There's no slutting in the afterlife. This is why I need to I need to get it now. <laughs> you know? And so it's like to him, it's it. Like this is it. When he find when I finally understood that, and it was the it took the death of our dog, you know, after 14 years, and I'm like crying and I'm still upset. And he's like, but he's gone. And I'm like, no, but there's a rainbow bridge and we're going to see him in the other side, right? Like, no, we're not. (laughs) You know, and I'm just like, I'm totally crushed. And I'm like, how, how can you say that? You know? And, and he just, um, but what it made me realize it, it made me understand even more his, um, his need to experience as much as he can in the time that he has, you know, there's a, there's a verse in the Hamilton, um, musical where she says the the wife tells Hamilton you're writing like you're running out of time 
was it Emily that said that? Yeah, it was Emily that said that to you. It's like, you know, he's having sex like he's running out of time. You know, I mean, it's just, it really does feel that way in a way. But then like, once I understood why, you know, I'm like, well, shit, if I felt like that too, you know, every waking moment, I'd be trying to do something that makes me happy, you know, and it's like, fuck you guys, you know, (laughs) and just, I, I can understand that. But at least he has the wherewithal to not, you know, go out and like, you know, put his dick in everything that moves. But at least he's still vetting. At least he's still taking the time to make sure that he's being safe and, and considerate of the rest of us. Thanks. You know, I but tried. yeah. But at the same time, it's like it finally made sense to me. And then so I learned to accept his sluttiness and that it's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, because in his mindset, you know, yeah, he is running out of time. You know, so might as well. Well, thank I, you I so deep. much. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing all of Let's that. Let's some levity it's, into this. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> I was, uh, we could talk for hours. Um, and in the interest of time, I have a couple of other questions that I'm sure Finn does too. But uh, one of them was, Gabe, at one point early on, you said you wanted to talk a little bit more about your journey with kink. And I just wanted to make sure that you have, if you if you did what, if you said what you wanted to say, or if you wanted to add a little bit more um so my journey, my kinky journey. Okay, here's what I'll say about my kinky journey. I lucked out that I was polyamorous when I discovered kink because my wife is not kinky. So that's what I made my polyamory mainly about me exploring my kink side and fetishes and whatnot. And that brought me to meeting Emily. And we met through Fet Life and then started this relationship. Uh in which it was it was it built a lot around the kink, and we were together for three and a half years. The punchline to my kinky journey is the position where I am right now. Emily, she's a screenwriter, and she came up with this idea to create a show about kink, an animated kinky show. Uh, because uh, something Emily discovered online is that a lot of people do kink badly and not safe, and it doesn't matter how many books people keep putting out people still keep putting questions out there to groups and social media and whatnot. And, and Emily had this wonderful idea let's, uh, to create a animated show about kink, to educate people about kink. It's called Welcome to Kinkyville. And initially she was developing it. And, and then at some point I came on board because I saw the potential of it. Uh, I was like, you know what? I think you do have something here. It's something new. It's not something people have seen before. We liken it a lot. We liken it a lot to like Adam ruins everything, uh, in which you know they maybe pick a subject and they start unpacking it, and the social, economical, and maybe even racial implications of that of that situation, and what the history is. So, so now we're actually about to launch. So the crowdfund starts August tenth. The crowdfund is, has an epic trailer. Emma and Finn have seen it. They can attest to it. Yes, we uh, have. And we're, recent, we're doing the crowdfund to raise capital to create the pilot, to then take the pilot to networks, cable networks. This clearly is not a show for, <laughs> for NBC, <laughs> CBS. <laughs> but it's to create the pilot to then take it to, to a network and sell the idea and create this show. And our goal is to move the conversation because kink is, is out there. It's public knowledge now. It's not so underground anymore. And to just, again, keep promoting kink and, and the, the stigmatizing it 
I'm moving the conversation about kink to a more mainstream platform. And I, that's what I'll say about my kinky journey that it led me, it led me to all of a sudden taking this chance on myself creatively, creatively. I'm a professional trailer editor, but had never beyond the trailers that I make for studios and, and employers, I had never really gone out of my way to create something personal. And I found myself and I guess either circumstances just had never felt like something that I'd be invested enough to put all the money and effort it takes to create a personal project. And kink finally gave me the motivation. Like, you know, there's this thing that I believe in that, that I think there's nothing wrong with it. And I think people's lives can be enriched for it. And you hear the stories all the time. You read about it. And, and Emily has such a great idea. And, and I was like, yeah, this is something that I want to help create. Like, this is something that I want to put all this energy and effort to create, which, which we did. Uh, so that's the biggest punchline to, to my journey into kink is, is this project that I'm doing with Emily now and that we're still working together in spite of us having ended our relationship because we feel so passionate about this project and we believe in it so much. It's our baby. Uh, she created and I helped her develop and I'm producing and directing it. And we've been able, and, and, and the response has been so overwhelmingly positive from the people that we have shared so far. You guys have seen it. Uh, and the trailer for your listeners, when they tune in to watch it, all the voices in the trailer, because the trailer is half animated, all the animated characters, aside from Emily and the co-host, are other sex educators in the kinky community, uh, which we li- well, I'm not going to list them right now, uh, but they'll be listed in the page and, and so on. And, and when we went to, this sex, to these sex educators with the concept and the project, their response was so positive and they agree like, yeah, this needs to be out there. Like people need to hear about this and whatnot. But at the same time, not just the kink education, but like, it's such a great opportunity to unpack some things. I'll give you a perfect example. This, so one of my, one of the things that annoy me most about in the, in the kinky lifestyle, particularly with Shibari rigor, Shibari is Japanese rope bondage. Japanese rope bondage is great. A lot of people love it. It's beautiful. It's, it's, it's great. It's great. I love it. I'm a, I'm a rigger myself. <laughs> why? And yet, why are there so many riggers? Riggers are people who do rigging, who tie top, rope tops. Why do so many of them, usually white guys, not always, <laughs> feel the need to wear a kimono? Like, why is that? Why? <laughs> yeah. And, and that's a perfect, and I think that's a perfect way to talk about cultural appropriation. I mean, first off, how did, how did Japanese rope bondage made its way to the West? Like, that's an interesting story. But then how did it start getting uh, appropriated? And how did it end up on um, white guys wearing kimonos and having katanas on their houses? <laughs> and and or again, also the, the sexual dynamics of, for example, a lot of black women, they're very, so, who, who really like uh, the fetish, the, the king and the fetish of being submissive. A lot of women, a lot of black women, and again, I'm a, Hispanic guy talking about this at all, <laughs> but these are stories that I've read online. A lot of black women really struggle with being submissive as black women, you know, like that's, that in itself is so, is so rich to explore. Like, and some, a lot of women find it really empowering to finally embrace that side. Some, some black women actually do not let white men top them. Some white, some, some white tops refuse to top a black submissive because again, it's just, it's just the, the optics and whatnot. And I think all those conversations are just so rich and, and there's so much to learn and explore about our culture and our society. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, that's what yeah. I'll say about that. 
Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. And I guess I just want to say, you know, since this is um, going to be published when you're starting the crowdfund, how can people support you? <gasps> well, first, they can share us. They can find us on social media. I'm, I'm sure you'll feature on, yes. on the show notes. Welcome to kinkyville.com. Welcome to kinkyville.com. Uh, sh- sharing is a big thing. Just amplifying the message, getting it out there, ha- making people see what we have it, it, in itself is almost equally as valuable to any contribution they can make. You know, uh, ultimately we want to raise capital to, to make this possible for the journey ahead. But the big thing is to follow us and share us and then contribute whatever you feel comfortable contributing. Every bit counts. Uh, it doesn't matter how small or how big it is. Uh, every bit counts, you know, and share it with your friends and, and follow us on social media. Talk to us, engage us. Welcome to kinkyville.com or at kinkyville TV, uh, on social media, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I knew that. Uh, but yeah, uh, just follow us and share us and contribute whatever you can and help us, help us make this possible. Yeah. And I would just say too, we get a lot of people reaching out wanting to do us to help promote whatever thing. Um, I'm not saying that to like make you feel special. It's because <laughs> like you're like the trailer like, to the people listening, like go watch the trailer. The trailer is kick-ass. It is. And we, I was, I, I told them, I was like, look, I know we get a lot of this. Like we need to talk to these people that not, not just because of the trailer, but like looking into, you know, Emily's background and, and one of, and the co-creator is it's Jave, right? Am I saying uh, that right? Emily is the sole creator. Jave is the co-host. Emily okay. is the creator of the show and I'm okay. directing, producing it. I gotcha. So like just, yeah, that to us was like, yeah, this is something worth getting behind. So we're happy to do it. We're excited for it. And we would encourage people to get out and, Watch it, share it. Yeah, if you if you don't have the financial means to support it, share it with everybody you can because somebody you know will be able to. Yes, let's spread the word. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, yes. absolutely. So I had a couple more questions. I know <laughs> I know this is going long and um, I apologize. I was curious about one piece of this that um, is something that I think people can struggle with a lot. I know it's something that we have struggled with on occasion is Sonia, like you tend to adopt this mindset that I've heard you kind of say a few times of like, hey, he likes to do whatever kinky things. If he goes and finds somebody else, I don't have to do that anymore. Um, So you're happy to unload that, maybe that burden. What happens when you come across something that you do like doing with Gabriel or that is something that you share, but now he's doing it with somebody else or maybe you and him don't do it as much because he is now doing it with somebody else. And so it's no longer the thing that you don't want to do, but it's something you do want to do. Um, and maybe a good example, and not that you need one, but like we talked to somebody a few months ago who was like, they loved going to like rooftop bars and, but their partner never wanted to. And then their partner got a girlfriend and all of a sudden they were like going to rooftop bars and she was like, well, what the fuck? Like, I've always loved doing this. You never want to do it with me. And now you're doing it with this other person. And they were like, well, yeah, but you know, we're, it's new and I'll do anything to keep them happy. And so like that sort of like 
I love doing something with you. You don't really want to do it with me, but now you're doing it with somebody else. Like, is that something either of you have come up against and how have you navigated that? To answer your question, if he has found anything that I want to do that, okay, I I actually have a, a, I can, I can relate in this sense. Um, I love hiking. I love being out outdoors in the mountains in the, in the, you know, like just nature and everything. He's more scared of what Nate, how nature can kill him than getting mugged in the middle of Los Angeles. There's no bear attacks. You're trespassing. (laughs) That's not a bear attack. (laughs) You're trespassing on their home. (laughs) So, so, and I'm more afraid of getting mugged in downtown LA than, than being attacked by this non-existent bear that he keeps referencing. So let's say that he decided that, um, uh, Emily who loves hike, let's say Emily loves hiking. Um, and so then he starts going with her, right. I'd be like, Oh no, then you're going on two hikes this weekend. (laughs) You know, it's sucks to be you if you're not enjoying this, because if you're willing to go with her, then you're coming with me. You know, I mean, it's for us, it's just a matter of if there was any overlap. Um, Oh, here's another example. We both love movies. Okay. I thought I loved movies and then I met him and apparently I'm a dabbler and, and he loves movies. Um, so I was actually going to talk about this. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, um, we now have a first dibs list. He will see every movie. I have preferences. Emily has preferences and or, then or Leanna. Leanna now. Yeah. So the three of us, have, so then we have to call dibs, but it goes rotationally. So if I want to see, like, let's say if I wanted to see black widow, right. But it's not my turn to call dibs. And then Emily calls dibs on Black or Widow. Leanna. Or Leanna. Sorry. I mean, I'm getting to that. So <laughs> then um, then they get to call dibs on a movie that I want to watch, which is fine. And then, sometimes they negotiate. Sometimes we'll negotiate. Star Wars was a negotiation. <laughs> yeah. And so um, in that case then, um, or like, you know, somebody will be like, I absolutely need to watch this with him. Is there any way that you guys are willing to give up on this? You know, I mean, give one up, give another movie up. Yeah. Give another movie up or something. And so, yeah, there are negotiations, but that's how we would do it. You know, it's the way that he felt like he could get, keep it fair was to rotate. Right. And the way that we work around it is we'll negotiate, you know, off book and then just like, you know, be like, all right, you take this and I'll take that. Um, and so we do find ways to compromise, um, on something that we all enjoy and he will watch all of it, <laughs> but not twice, not going twice. <laughs> and, and so then, but let's say there's a movie he doesn't want to watch. Um, like the Hitman's bodyguard was one that had come out that I really wanted to see. And he's like, Oh my God, there's no way you can get me to sit through this. Um, <laughs> I went with my boyfriend and we had the best time, you know, it's like, we were laughing, you know, it was fun. Yeah. And it was one of those popcorn movies. Right. And then we watched the Hitman's girlfriend's bodyguard, whatever. And, and we had a great time too, but I knew already knew he didn't like it. And so that's an example of where like we can share the burden, so to speak, but also enjoy the same things. Love it. You know, uh, I'll actually share a little tidbit. Leanna was so disappointed. Uh, the Moulin Rouge musical was coming. <laughs> Leanna, Leanna was so so sad when when she found out that you're seeing that with me. I told her maybe I told her I told her maybe we do a double date. But uh, I was gonna say it's like that's another option too. It's like all of you go (laughs) and do a group. Yeah, but again, like because because just habitually we haven't cared for our part. We just don't tend to really do the double date thing. Uh, And and really, I for myself personally, who I am with my other partners is not who I am with Sonia. 
and who they are with me is not who they are with their partners. And particularly because, particularly in relations to Emily before and, and Liana now, my other current committed partner, there is a kink dynamic aspect to our relationship. Uh, so like maybe Sonia doesn't want to see me treating them the way I do <laughs> when we're together. I don't. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. Makes yeah. sense. So, well, thank you for indulging me in that. I know we've gone long and I appreciate that. No, this is, this is great. This is great. I worked it out. I'm good. Yeah. yeah. And the yeah. Hitman's If you have bodyguard. any other questions, go for it. <laughs> no, I was just going to say The Hitman's Bodyguard, one of the stupidest movies ever, but absolutely hilarious. And I loved it. So, cheers. Thank to you. That. See? Yeah. See? That's yeah. what I'm saying. It well, was yeah. so much here, fun. We're here to plug the crowdfund, not The Hitman's Bodyguard. <laughs> <laughs> That one already got funded. It already got funded. Does not need this plug, Ryan. I do. <laughs> if Matt no. Damon is listening to this, I'm just saying that I've been following your career, and I would love to have a sit down with you, Matt Damon. I'm just putting that out there. Yeah. Why not? And Matt sure. Damon, Why not? If you're can, I, can I join too? Yes. yes. Can I join too? <laughs> Uh, actually, there is one thing I'll add to the thing about kink, and, and I like to I like to troll Sonia about her being vanilla, and it's it's all just good ribbing. The fact of the matter, and here's what I'll say about kink: for some reason, when people think about kink, their minds automatically jump to the most cinematic visual representation of kink. It's a spectrum, and it's not a contest. Like if your thing is just to make love to your partner while wearing whatever gender they happen to be while wearing stockings. That's a kink. It's not all leather and handcuffs and latex and bear traps and, <laughs> and, and paddles and floggers and ball gags and nipple clamps and O-rings and anal hooks. Okay, and, okay, well, we get it. We get it. <laughs> you know. So I I I rip Sonia. I, I like to like I like to troll Sonia a little bit about being vanilla. Sonia's clearly kinkier than she lets on. But and which is fine it's totally fine and and you know that's what i'll say about kink like listen if you just like to have be blindfolded during sex that's a kink you know if you like having your hair pulled that's a kink you know if if you like them you know calling you a certain thing that's a kink you know not all kinks are sexual either like it's it's not a contest and i understand why some people when kink in all media representation and, and it, when everything associated, all the imagery with kink associated with kink is people kneeling and kissing feet and getting walked on. And when I can understand why people are hesitant to identify as kinky, but it's such a large spectrum. And, and that is one of the reasons why also we're trying to get this show made. It's also like, listen, everybody has some type of weird kink. It can be small. It can be not, they're not all cinematic you know yeah yeah Yeah, i appreciate that and thank you both for coming on yes is there any thank you for having this podcast absolutely it's our pleasure is there anything we didn't talk about that you either of you wanted to share before we let you go and then we will let you go get along with your work days and your mornings and yeah i'm pretty satisfied i'm pretty i will say i will add from uh, a professional standpoint uh, over the years, I've discovered that some of my colleagues are kinky and or polyamorous, and I had no idea. And it was only when I started coming out myself that they were like, oh, yeah, I'm into that too. 
by the way, what are you doing Friday? No, <laughs> just no. because. No, 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 no. <laughs> whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you female? No, I don't have time for you, okay? <laughs> then, um, or let me rephrase that. I won't make time for you. But, um, but no, I mean, like all joking aside, seriously, I mean, it's, I know we've already talked about visibility and, and all that, but really, I mean, it's even from a professional standpoint, this, it's going to get normalized. It's already becoming normalized. And I think that if Mitch McConnell has anything to say about it, well, okay, it. there's that too. But, um, <laughs> but like, it's, there, there's so many ways around everything. You know, if you have a concern, I mean, like I said, I come from an extremely conservative background and I worked my way through it and, and I am more me than I've ever been in my life. And oh, I love you. I love how you, I'm, I love how you, you are. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so, um, and I wouldn't trade that for the world, you know? Um, but to be fair, I will never run for judge or public office <laughs> as of the Jubilee video, because it's kind of like, Oh, look at her. So unless it becomes absolutely mainstream, there's just no way. Right. I mean, it's so yes, there are trade-offs. Yes. It is scary in my field, especially for example, but we're out there, you know, we are absolutely out there. And I love the fact that, your podcast exists. I love the fact that the books is, exist. I love the fact that there's so many resources now that didn't exist when we first started. And then even the people who wrote those resources were saying how their resources were so limited and it's coming along. And I just absolutely adore the fact that that's happening. So my favorite thing about being, about visibility is how people are like, yeah, that's not for me. And then five minutes later, well, Back in college, I was dating these two dudes at the same time. It's <laughs> yeah, or like kinky. No, no, no. Well, you know, actually, I think it's really hot when my wife scribbles stuff on me with a Sharpie. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> but you're not kinky. <laughs> that is totally vanilla. <laughs> plenty, of, plenty, of movie, plenty of movie sex scenes with like a Sharpie. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> the go-to staple <laughs> right that's perfect well i think uh, that's yeah. a perfect place uh for us to leave it thank you both for being here for showing up for being visible for being out there and for, for spending the, so much time with us for spending time with oh. us and for the work you're the for the work you're doing um it's it's huge and we're happy to throw our weight behind it so yes. thank you thank you so much i appreciate it absolutely we'll have a beautiful day and we will be in touch yes bye everybody again. bye everyone <laughs> And we're back. Thank you so much to Sonia and Gabriel for coming on the show, for sharing your story. It was a beautiful journey. It has been a beautiful journey talking to you. And we can't wait to see how this Kickstarter does. We're so excited to spread the word and also for your personal journey as well. Yeah, for sure. And again, to anybody listening who's passionate about kink or just honestly passionate about mainstreaming some of these less popular ideas some of these fringe ideas that really aren't that fringe because we know how big the damn communities are right but trying to get them into the mainstream media check this out throw a couple bucks behind it or at least share it with all of your friends um it's fantastic work we're really excited about it and yeah just go forth and do good <laughs> go check it out go check it out go check, yeah, out go the check it out i'm excited i just ran out of words i was so excited yeah, i was like kept waiting for you to keep going yeah i was waiting done. for you to interrupt me for once <laughs> i was like maybe she'll interrupt me and stop me from talking go check it out 
Okay, so real quick though, we're gonna um, wanted to circle back to Patreon. So if you're looking for a community and if you're looking for like-minded people, come check out our Patreon group. It is an amazing, incredible group of people. We're so, so thankful for all of you who are part of the group. We have around 170 patrons now and we just, we love all of you, it's it's amazing. So we have a men's group and a women's group and a Q&A. So the men's group call is August 17th, the women's group call is August 18th, and the Q&A is August 25th. If you miss them this month, don't worry, we have the same calls every month, so we'll have them in September as well. Yeah, I just wanted to echo Emma's gratitude and say thank you to everybody who is part of the community. Uh, we've made some incredible friends, we've seen awesome friendships and everything just blossoming out of this the way that everyone supports each other is fantastic so like emma said if you're looking for other people like yourself this is the community for you we think we think we're, it's we're awesome. a little biased you can check it out if you don't like it you can always leave we yeah. don't we don't get too offended yeah. so. and just to be clear too it's more than just the calls we have a chat group as well and lots of other things so just come check it out yeah and with that, we will just remind you to reach out to us, head over to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. You can click on the Patreon tab to find the Patreon links. You can click on the podcast tab to find the podcast show notes. And you can click on the contact us tab to reach out to us. Yes. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Sonia and Gabriel, for all of your work. Head over to welcometokinkyville.com to check out the Kickstarter and support that. And I think that's it. What do we got next week? Next week, we have an interview with Mandy. Yes. Who's awesome. It was awesome. It is awesome. And we're excited about it. We'll see you in a week, everybody. Yes. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening. <laughs>